Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Just the Basics. I'm Tommy. I'm Matt. <laughs> that was such a long pause because we kind of messed up our first time recording this. But um, yeah, so we, we keep the beat once a week for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I pulled my headphones out. I can't believe this. Oh my gosh. Man, it's just, it's been a crazy day trying to record this podcast. So my internet's been crazy. Yeah, it's it's been horrible. We've had terrible internet connection. We recorded the ending of the Star Wars thing that got messed up. So we already were kind of is kind of dealing with that, and then more internet problems, and then I can't talk right. Man, I don't know what's going on with us today. Yeah, and your and uh, things on your end. All I'm hearing is uh, sometimes a little bit, of, and then a little, and then some of the. <laughs> oh man, so. The internet is kind, kind of, of a little bit of a syncopated beepy debapa deba. <laughs> We're scatting oh through God. the podcast today. There we go. Or beatboxing. <laughs> oh, scatting would be more appropriate for today's topic, Tommy. Well, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess Although I think us- a 12 bar beatbox would be interesting. Maybe we should oh, that'd be sometime. fun. That'd be kind of interesting. Like an acapella thing with a 12-bar beatbox and then the blues scale. <laughs> that'd be kind I of fun to write. a bunch of standards that would work. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Now we just need huh. someone that doesn't sound like they're uh, trying too hard when they're beatboxing. Yeah, not like, like me. I sound, like, I sound terrible when I try to beatbox. I'm pretty sure I do too, but I just don't care enough to actually know if I'm good at it or not. I don't know the difference between being good at it or, <laughs> yeah, or that's just trying. Like when you hear somebody that's good at it, you know they're good at it. But mm-hmm. I can't really pinpoint what makes them good at it. They're just making a bunch of mouth sounds and it's a lot better than what I could do. Yeah. I don't um, listen to acapella enough to really nail yeah, down I, the I don't difference. Either. There's some really good groups out there, some really awesome stuff, but it's never been something I've really uh, listened to much of. I really like that. Uh, there's a Peter Hollins. He's a YouTube. I think I think he mostly YouTube, but uh, he does a bunch of really great stuff. He has a wonderful voice too, and he doesn't have that pretentious thing that a lot of acapella groups have, where I can't stand to listen to them more than five seconds because they just sound like people I'd never want to spend a moment with. <laughs> right. And uh, and then there's another guy that I really like. He, he's called a uh, Smooth McGroove. He does a bunch of um, video game soundtracks in acapella form, and he's he's absolutely incredible. He's hmm. he actually can beatbox really really well, and he has such an enormous range. He's extremely talented. So, listeners, if you haven't heard him, go watch. Especially if you want to learn um, singing in any way, he's definitely someone to pay attention to for that kind of a thing. Yeah, I bet Jacob Collier has done something where he beatboxes along with the blues. Maybe I don't know yeah. if he really beatboxes much, but that dude—he—he's a musical genius. I mean, he's—he's kind of crazy though. I, I saw a video clip online from one of his concerts, and as impressive as he is, I don't know if I'd want to go to one of his concerts. Mm. <laughs> it was just a little—not—not uh, not quite my speed, but that's okay. There's that uh that one group. What what are they called? It's it's something that has to do with. New York. I almost want to say Manhattan Orchestra. Uh, do you remember? Um, no, uh, not Manhattan. It's um, 
I'm looking oh it God. up. I know where I know how to find it. Yeah, um, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of it. I'll have it in a moment. It's just waiting on Spotify to load up. They uh, <laughs> let's see. Where are you? Where are you? That's the- Don't worry, listener. I got this. They uh, <laughs> I'm specifically looking for it under um an arrangement of a night in Tunisia. Manhattan transfer. Um, thank you. The Manhattan transfer. Uh, oh, that's right. They call it another night in Tunisia. But uh, they yes. they do a bunch of standards um, in acapella form. I think they do sing along to a band sometimes, but um, and sing like a a vocal. It looks like they're a quartet, but no, 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 no. They're not. There's a lot of them. All right. I don't know everything in the world. I said that in our little Star Wars thingy. Um, <laughs> they have some really cool stuff, and they know how to actually harmonize with uh, extensions and things like that. That's something that a lot of acapella groups struggle to um, to get to, which there's nothing wrong with that when they're singing pop songs. But obviously, well, it's, it's very really difficult to, to get someone that can reliably hit a nine without um, messing it up in some way. Or a sharp it, eleven, or a thirteen, or something weird like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that's really tricky for a singer to be able to do without, um, like hearing it in their ear or something without a accompaniment that can help them find those notes. So, uh, they were yeah. a group that definitely had that down. So check them out. Yeah. But anyway, on to today's topic. Yeah. yeah, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that's okay. Um, we're gonna talk about the. Uh, well, our topic today has like it's a big foundation for jazz, but also for just modern pop music in general, or gospel mm-hmm. or soul or anything like that. You really don't you you probably don't go a day without hearing this without, and you probably don't even realize it, but you probably don't go a day without hearing it or at least influences that it has had. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be the blues scale. Which, um, yeah, so what we're going to do, we got to do it in post, but we're going to insert an example of the blues scale right about here. So now that you know what it sounds like, you probably realize that you actually have heard it before. It's kind of like a modified pentatonic scale. Mm-hmm. Just with a flat three and a sharp eleven added in there, and um, or a flat five, however you want to look at it, or a sharp nine, and you could look at it so many ways. But it has this chromatic, it has some chromatic notes in there, and it's it just adds some nice flavor to it. Um, like I don't know, have you? I, I'm Matt, I know you know what this is, but um, listeners, if you ever heard of a Blue Note record. They get the name Blue Note from the blues scale because that flatted three and that flatted five or sharp 11, those are called blue notes in the scale. Mm-hmm. Like those are, when you're hearing something bluesy, those two notes right there are the only things that make it bluesy. Well, I guess I shouldn't say the only thing, but those are the main things that make it bluesy. <laughs> and the flat seven that uh, makes yeah. everything feel yeah, dominant the flat moving forward. I guess that's true. Yeah. Because it's, a dominant chord, but you're not, yeah, pretty much any situation that you would play the blues scale is going to be over a dominant chord anyways. 
Yeah, um, exactly. So that kind of fits in. I guess it depends, though. You could use that as a passing thing and play the flat seven and the regular seven and the one. Yeah, kind of yeah. Like another I, chromatic one. I tend to think of the blues scale like um, as a tool. It's not an exclusive um, scale to play in because um, as much as you can hang out in it for a while and purposefully um, limit yourself within the blues scale or start by using it and just practicing within it, uh, eventually you want to get to the point where it becomes a tool to whip out in those um, passing tones using blue notes from the blues scale. So you'll pl- play your major scale and then you have to know what key you're in and what you're playing over. Um, say we're in a 12 bar uh, in C. So you're playing over C7. Um, obviously By a 12 that- bar, you're talking about the form, right? Yeah, the the form. We'll talk about the what that means in a moment. But you're playing over a C, a C7, so you got that flat 7 in there. But as far as the rest of the chord, you're just playing over basically a major scale, minus the flat 7. Right. And when you're playing over it, then you can throw in those blue notes, the flat 3 and the uh, sharp 11, along the way while you're playing over mm-hmm. it. And then if you get over another dominant chord, you can play that. Um, you can play over that with that key's blue scale, and you can be switching around a little bit. And if you know where to use it and how to use it for little tonal inflection, then uh, you can start yeah. to utilize it as a tool in your mindset for expression instead of thinking, I am going to play the blues scale forever. Right. Because that's something yeah, that that's you don't want to limit yourself way, forever on. Yeah, it, you'll you'll sound really stale. Like, I like to go to, well, I shouldn't say I like to, but every now and then I go to um, some places around town that have blues jams. Mm-hmm. And so I'll sit up, I'll sit in and play a little bit. It gets really boring for me, though, as a bass player, because first of all, I'm playing the same chord progression all night long. They ask me if I know a song. It's so funny. Last time I went, they asked me if I knew this song, and I had never heard this song in my life. And I said, uh, no, but uh, what key? So they told me the key. I said, okay, cool, I got it. They're like, wait, what? I'm like, it, it's fine. Let's, do, let's just go. I, I'll figure it out. And sure enough, it was exactly like the song we had just played, just in a different key. I'm like, what, what's the big deal? Like, you know, first of all, why is that surprising to people that I could figure that out? But second of right. all, why is this fun to go to a bar and listen to the same music for four hours? Because, yeah. like, the people that go to those blues jams, they get there right when it starts, and they stay there until it ends at last call or however late it goes. Mm-hmm. And they just don't want to go home. Um, and I don't really get it. And, like, all the solos, well, I shouldn't say all of them, but for the most part, the solos end up being this, they play the blues scale and nothing really else. And so you have all these. Right. It, the way I like to look at the blues scale and I kind of got this from um, from our uh, one of our jazz theory and improvisation classes at Liberty was the blue scale is basically an inflective device. It's mm-hmm. like it shouldn't be. It's it's kind of like if you're having a, um, a if you're eating a steak and you got your steak with just the salt and pepper. It, it tastes okay, but it's not anything amazing. And then you put that steak sauce on top. <laughs> this is kind of a weird way to describe it, but I think it makes sense. 
the blue scale is kind of like that steak sauce. Just adds a little bit of extra flavor to it. Just gives it some oof, so that way it has more body to it. It's more interesting to listen to. Sort of like when a jazz player plays outside of the key signature. It's similar, because you're basically playing outside of the key signature with it. Um, That's why they say your solo's cooking. Yeah, because you got the steak sauce on there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's stupid. that's that's funny. We're bad. I mean, it, it really it really does make sense because say that uh that uh blue scale is it's like your your steak sauce or your barbecue sauce, but maybe you want to add some diminished scale or a whole tone scale, things like that. Mm-hmm. All these weird scales, and that's like an exotic seasoning and. Then in the end, you present your dish and someone takes a taste and is just like, what on earth? There's way too many flavors. So right. if you want to uh, you, you want to give them something real solid, then you got to make sure that you don't mix in too many ingredients and that hand them a, uh, mm-hmm. a poo in a bowl. And- or <laughs> have you ever had a steak that someone or have you ever seen somebody just douse their steak in steak sauce where they drown it? It's like you probably can't even taste the steak anymore because there's so much sauce on it. Right. There. You don't right. want to do that either. You want just enough to enhance your flavor and to make it taste good without drowning it. And that's why you want to uh, make sure that you get some real good quality meat at first. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I've heard some We'll take this say, metaphor as long as we can. It still makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it still makes sense. This is great. I, I'm getting hungry, <laughs> but hey, that's okay. <laughs> but like, I, I, yeah, I've got. Yeah. Wow. That was weird. Um, I know people. (laughs) There were some blue notes. Oh my gosh! I know people who won't eat a steak with steak sauce on it because they're like, it should taste good enough on its own. I shouldn't need it on there. Which, I mean, in a musical perspective, that makes perfect sense. You should be able to be interesting enough without the extra there. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, if it makes it better, then why not? Exactly. Enhance the the whole thing with a little bit of extra oomph to it and that's exactly the way that you want to use the blue scale if you hang out in it too much then you're literally just handing someone the bottle of steak sauce and say drink up (laughs) (laughs) there's no substance behind it it's not you're not getting your protein (laughs) they order a filet mignon you just hand them a bottle of a1 (laughs) (laughs) i'd be so where's the plate (laughs) here's a bowl this is all you get sir Oh my goodness! But but where's the meat? Uh, we don't have cows here. <laughs> the oven isn't working. The oven isn't working. What about a skillet? No. Oh, just, just a skillet. No. A skillet. Oh no! Yeah, oh, no, the puns are real. I put it to best. I I put it to rest. I killed it. There goes the metaphor. <laughs> it's done. Oh man, that was fun. I like that metaphor, though. I've never thought of that before, but that's, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I like cooking, so that is much easier for me to uh, back up with the metaphors than the sports analogies, because that's, uh, that's what I've been told for a long time. And sometimes I'd be uh, getting those little sports metaphors, and I'd have no idea what I'm hearing, but I'd get the point in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the sports metaphors sometimes I feel like are a stretch. Well, for me, I, I like... I can see how it works to, for someone that really knows sports really well. But in the end, I end up getting the musical point out of it because sometimes the sports analogy goes right over my head because I'm not a sporty dude. Well, and I feel like sometimes the sports analogies try to make 
music into a competition, which it's not. That's true. I feel like yeah. it's more like cooking than a competition. Because hmm. in sports, yeah, you're always trying to win. You're trying to beat everybody else. But in cooking, you're just trying to make something amazing for someone to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. You're not really... You're going to be the the best in sports where you're not adding your own style and flavor to your playing. If you yeah. do, you might end up losing because you're not playing the way that wins. But uh, yeah, but I mean, they, yeah, yeah, I, I can see how that works. Even a non-sporty person like me, though, knows that that Super Bowl this year was disgusting. Oh, man. Yeah, that was sidebar. It was very for entertaining. That one. Game. It, it was awful. Yeah, it wasn't very entertaining. It kind of dragged on. I sat there playing my Nintendo Switch the entire time because I was way too bored. I felt bad because we're hanging out with my family and stuff, but I couldn't stand it. I, <laughs> it was so dull. Usually I like those championship games, like watching the uh, the, um, the NBA final, finals uh, when I was visiting with you guys down in Florida. Yeah. Oh, that was the best. I yeah. love doing that. And last year's Super Bowl, I mean, it was the Eagles, so I was biased because it's Philadelphia. And so, of course, I'll root for them. And uh, watching them win was amazing. But in the end, I just don't care. I really don't. So when there's a game like that where it's I'm just seeing a bunch of millionaires running around in circles like dum-dums, oh, I get steamy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. I mean, some people might find it pretty entertaining to watch a bunch of millionaires look like idiots. (laughs) Now that you say that, that kind of is funny. Yeah, it's a little bit makes me feel a little bit better about myself. It's a bunch of millionaires just beating each other up on the field. That's one thing I've never understood about that. I'm not a I'm I'm not a sports guy, partially because I'm like five seven and weigh like 120 pounds. I mean, I would get destroyed on any field. But mm-hmm. also, I've never understood why people want to do something where they are probably going to hurt themselves. That's just never, I've never really understood that. There's like, a terrible not, movie that uh, Bethany and I watched recently on uh, Hulu called Not Another Teen Movie. It has Chris Evans, the guy that plays Captain America in it. And yeah. uh, er, I think like halfway through the movie, uh, he's he has PTSD because in a past season when he was the quarterback, he decided to, because they were winning the game, he was going to throw the ball to the loser on the team that was really tiny and scrawny and hadn't ever played a single play the whole time. And so he goes to the end zone, he catches the ball, he gets the touchdown, and then a couple of uh, defensive dudes attack him from both sides, and his body gets split in half. This is what (laughs) I'm envisioning if you ended up going to the NFL. (laughs) Oh, my God. He should have just stayed on the base. No! (laughs) Yeah. Wait, he's not playing baseball? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm on fire today. Puns left and right. You don't know where they're coming from. Oh, man. I'm not even a punny yeah. person. What's going on? I drink too much coffee. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, though I'm a firm believer that one can never have too much coffee. <laughs> I, I don't know. Coffee's just good. That's too much. Of. No, I, I mean... I had Unless you've got a, a cup problem. and a half. I'm okay with my wife taking a giant travel mug today because she wasn't feeling so good. But anywho, blue scale. We're <laughs> avoiding the this basic, basic topic of steak sauce. Yes, steak sauce. But I feel like we kind of I covered think the, it already. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got through the, the basics of it, but um, 
the way that I liked hearing it explained before, I know well, that there's that an exact way that uh kind of just the basic. Oh, <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> the way that I heard it explained before that um I I know that there was an exact harmonic way that this makes makes sense. And um before we got started today, I was trying to remember exactly how this works out. But mm -hmm. um you you actually might remember, but. Um, we were taught that the blues scale is technically speaking a major minor pentatonic. Um, yeah. And I, I, I know that there's a way that there's the reason that that makes sense. But um, I think it, that only makes sense if you basically overlay the blues notes over a major scale. I think that's why. Um, because the yeah. true blues scale is the major scale plus the flat three and the sharp 11 flat right. five and the flat seven. So you have all Wait. those notes and that kind of really creates it as a, uh, an enhanced major scale tool mm -hmm. set. But of course the pentatonic part comes in where you don't play the two or the six and blah, 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 blah. Right. But, um, when you talk about it that way, if you think of it in that mindset, instead of just one single scale, when you're playing, then, then you soft. can kind of, yeah, then it starts to become, uh, a form, a, uh, an expression tool where instead of sticking yourself in the box of just playing the blue scale, you end up actually um, utilizing it in ways right. that uh, will help your playing out. Well, and then if you want to take that whole concept a step further, you're only missing two notes if that's the case, because you have one, two, sharp two or flat three, three, four, sharp four, five, six, Sharp sticks are flat seven, seven, and one. You're only missing your flat two and your sharp five or flat six. So if you want to throw those in there too, then you can literally play any note you want. You just have your chromatic scale. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't recommend that all the time. But no, no. you want to make it extra spicy. <laughs> <laughs> the way I personally like to use the blues scale, um, Matt, I don't know. You might agree. You might disagree with this. I typically like to just use it as a little passing tone, a little flavor enhancer here and there. Like if I'm playing over a blues progression, which um, your 12-bar your blues progression, so for those of you who don't know, 12 bars, so it's 12 measures, um, and you've only got three chords. So it starts out on your one dominant seven chord. So none of your chords in the blues are going to have a major seven in there. So you have your dominant 7, 1, and then you're going to go to a 4, 7, back to a 1, and then a 5, 7. Then the turnaround on there kind of varies depending on who you're playing with, the type of music. I actually like to do a mm -hmm. 3, 6, 2, 5 turnaround instead of your 5, 4, 1, 5, like a lot of people do. The rock blues does 5, then 4, then 1, then 5. But I like to do the mm -hmm. 3, 6, 2, 5 because I think it's a little bit more interesting. But it doesn't change what you can or can't play on it. It's just personal preference. So that being said, when you're playing through there, um, I like to play mostly the Mixolydian mode, which is mm -hmm. your basically your dominant scale. So you're going to have everything is the same as your major scale, except instead of a regular 7, you're going to flat the 7. So in the key of C, the only difference is you'd play a B flat instead of a B natural. So right. I like to play mostly that and then throw in that sharp four or that flat three just for fun when I'm trying to get to another note. Because you don't really want to just 
take that flat three in a major chord and just be like, I'm going to sit here for a while and just stand on that while everybody else is playing the major three. It's going to, it, it's crunchy. I mean, I guess sometimes it can be good, but I don't really see a whole lot of situations where I would recommend that. Right. So typically I use it as a passing note to get from point A to point B in a very smooth way that adds a little bit of color to my playing. That's normally about the extent that I use it. Um, sometimes I like to play the tritone in there just because I like the way tritones sound. Kind of weird like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I do too. And I think it makes sense. I know that way back when in music theory, like we were taught that it's a very harsh um, interval, but, but I don't know. So I, I, <laughs> I, I like how it sounds. It, it just is a like, sure, there's a bit of dissonance in there and there's a bit of harshness, but I've heard much harsher. Yeah. The, <laughs> there's, the there are intervals that sound straight up bad. And then the tritone that just it's a it's just a harsh interval. That, and there's nothing wrong with that. It sounds nice. Right. So for those of you that don't know what the tritone is, it is oh, anything that the, is a flat five away from your starting note. So if you're starting on C, it'd be a G flat. Um, it's the farthest you can get away from two notes. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, you could play a full fifth, but the problem with a full fifth is it depends on which way you're looking at it. So if you're looking from C to G, it's a fifth. But if you're looking from G to C, it's a fourth. So the tritone is the farthest that you can get away. It's exactly in between the two notes. You can't get anything different. So like Matt said, it creates a harsh kind of a really dissonant sound. But like I heard a um, heard a bass player I think it was Norm Stockton, actually. He was playing a slap line, and he went, badum, badum, and he, he played the flat seven to a three, which is a tritone away over a dominant chord, and I was like, what? It hmm. blew my mind. I'm like, that is the best sound I've ever heard in a bass line. So I've kind of stolen that, and I do that a lot now, because it, it sounds so cool. I don't like to play the notes together as much, but in between, right. they're really cool. So the blues scale, there's tritones everywhere. Pretty much anything you want to do, you can find a tritone in the blues scale. So yep. it's, it's kind of entertaining for me. I know not everybody likes it. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I basically use it as passing tones. I don't do a whole lot else with it. What about you, Matt? I mean, um, I think it depends on the uh, style that you're playing. Uh, That's true. Of course, and um, so if we're playing a 12-bar, then usually I'll play dominant for a while, and then I will wait until, uh, like, a, a cadence point to throw in the blues scale, and then um, if it's a long-form uh, solo, like, I'm going to be taking four times through the form or something like that, uh, or there's a more involved audience, then I'll definitely play around with the, that scale a little bit more, but it's not mm -hmm. something that I'll hang in forever. It's more of I'll build up to it and then I use it. And as a guitar player, then when I hit those blue notes, I'm going to bend them like crazy. Um, uh, yeah. And, and when you bend not them, even, it kind of makes them not blue anymore. Right, 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 right. You like bend out of the blue and you put it back in and you, you yeah. really, uh, it, you can really manipulate the the notes and uh 
And when I say a bend, like there's there's different ways that I bend when I'm playing. So there's more of the adding vibrato. And uh, as a jazz player, we do it kind of the same way that a violin player would, where we just kind of shift our finger around, whereas a rock player would actually bend the string back and forth. So mm-hmm. when when I'm playing blues, I'll mostly use my typical vibrato. But then when I get into uh, a heavier part where I'm using the blues scale a lot, then I'll actually bend in and dig in deep with those uh, those notes because most audiences, when you really get bluesy, a lot of um, listeners they like that. They are easily impressed when you're when you're using that. So it's a good tool to have. And um, if you're just if you've got a great setup, you're in a tube amp and you have a a really nice. Uh, guitar usually i'm playing with an arch top but if i'm playing with a solid body well of course i'll let those uh blue notes sing out a lot and get a real warm and harsh sound in there and um usually when people use the blue scale they're going to go for um like a soulful a a, a soulful warm approach mm-hmm. but That's uh true. When I use it, I usually go for something that's a lot harsher, kind of like you said with uh, taking advantage of tritones, where I'm doing something to build tension towards a release back into the dominant scale. Um, and then uh, if I'm playing in the background, like uh, there's, I think we uh, when we played Killer Joe, yeah, 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 it was Killer Joe, that uh, at the end of the song, I was just expected to noodle around. And um, when you're in the background, oh, that's, that, perfect that's use a blues scale. Exactly. Then you're just noodling around. And if I put myself in that box of just playing the blues scale, then it keeps my lines nice and simple. And it just sounds really nice back there because it, it basically just sounds like there's a uh, there's a guitar guy. Um, sitting on the streets of the Mississippi Delta, just playing away in the background, just having the time of his life. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool sounding. Right, right. So you you can hang out in there for a while. I just think that you have to be careful that almost like it's a, it's something that you don't want to use when the spotlight is on you, at, at least not exclusively. Um, you'll want to throw it in there sometimes, but only when it's most appropriate. So you want to make sure. If you want that blue scale, that it has to be in the proper context. I'll never, ever use the blue scale if I'm playing something that's a Calypso tune or a Bossa Nova. Um, I'll never do it when just playing a, uh, a swing standard. I won't use that at all. I'll just play in the key that I'm supposed to be, or I'll push um, the key with um, pushing the harmony in different ways. I won't use blue notes to push the harmony in those cases, or at least that's not the mindset I have. If mm-hmm. I hit a blue note, I'm not thinking of using blue notes. I'm playing around, finding new routes through the harmony, and sure, there might be a blue note on the way. But um, if we're playing, say, something that's more R&B oldies, a bit more of a Motown soulful thing, that's kind of the point where throwing in some blue notes is a nice little bit of flavor to add to that soulful sound. So a lot of the time right, when you hear true. singers that are uh, that have a vocal run in R and B, 
a lot of time what they're doing there that you're like, whoa, that sounded cool. It's because they're using blue scale notes. They're throwing mm-hmm. some blue notes in their runs. So uh, Beyonce's done that. Um, a lot of other R&B singers. We literally tried to think of other examples before the recording. And I don't know. That, but whenever you hear someone singing the Star Spangled Banner and you get those oh, uh, yeah. flavorful runs at the end, a lot of the time it's rather someone that's using blue notes or trying to. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times uh, it happens without even meaning to when you're singing. Sure. Yeah. Because it they might not even good, know, know that they are. You know, yeah, everybody grows up listening to it. You hear the blues scale all the time, whether you mean to or not. I, and even if it's an accidental blues scale, you're going to hear it. So, yeah. You know, it kind of comes naturally when you're singing just to kind of let that out a little. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's uh, one of those things that everybody, you know, everybody's been exposed to. It It just depends on if you realize that that's what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, um, I think a lot of the time you would, uh, like I mentioned, the Mississippi Delta, so old Delta blues, if you've ever listened to Robert Johnson or mm-hmm. um, Lemon Blind Jefferson. Is that his name? I think I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, him, there's a bunch of old... They all uh, have funny names. <laughs> yeah, they all had a really interesting names. Uh, a lot of the older piano players Muddy of Waters. that time. Yeah, Muddy Waters. Um, so there's... Like Earl Hines, those piano players. Um, yeah, that's not Missis- then that's like not Mississippi Muddy Delta, Waters, but the, just those one of those guys too. Players. Yeah, there's so much of it, um, and of course, like everybody knows, BB King. Mm-hmm. That's like his bread and butter right there. Is that blues scale? Picking yep. it out like yeah. one note at a time. Ah, ah. Then he stops. Then you're like, ah. Oh. Okay, and then he does it again. And it's like, wait, okay, and then he does it again, and it's—I don't know—it's—it's it's kind of fascinating. But he has a yeah. lot of heart in his playing, and I feel like, um, say you want to play exclusively in the blues scale just to practice it for a while. I mm-hmm. think BB King is a good place for your ear to start because he—I think he mostly focuses on the blues scale itself, but. Um, he doesn't really play super fast lines through it. So you're not just hearing all of those notes again and again and again and again. He more takes his time and lets his guitar sing and really gets a clear, bright and warm at the same time tone from, from his instrument and uh, complements the style extremely well. So, um, yeah, that's something to take to heart when you're using it is that sometimes it's not about, playing through those notes real quick because a lot of people do that. They think that playing the blues fast is the way to be good at it. And that's wrong. It's taking your time and letting those notes sing out and um, experimenting with pushing the harmony so that you can really get some interesting tones between you and the band. Kind of like a harmonica player. Yeah. Thinking about how they do that and everything too. Um, from from a bass player perspective, it's it's harder for me to when I'm taking a solo to just sit on a blue note than it is for a guitar player or a harmonica or a trumpet or that sort of thing. Because as a bass player, I have to outline the harmony even when I'm soloing. When I right. play out, I've noticed that it tends to throw people off if I play out of the key too far. 
but I still have to keep it really close. So for me, I, I have to box myself in a little bit more, which is perfectly fine with me. Um, I really, I don't know. I just, I love something about outlining the chord. It's just fun for me. But like, mm-hmm. if you listen to a harmonica or an organ or something like that, they'll hit one of those high notes and just sit on it. And like an organ will just let that Leslie speaker do the work and just spin and spin and spin. And then you get this like, mm-hmm. and it sounds so cool. And it just works for them with that type of instrument. Right. And so in that case, yeah, taking it one note at a time, just kind of plowing ahead and watching it happen and letting everything else change underneath of it. It's kind of like a reverse pedal tone. It's pretty cool. Right. It, it's um, an- another thing I like to think about with the blues scale, another way to use it is it is a great fallback tool. Because even pros get lost in the changes every now and then. And the great thing about the blues scale is because you got those chromatic notes in there, you can fake it. <laughs> Eventually, you you're going to hit one that you're going to realize is the root note of the chord, and then you can figure out and get yourself back on track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true, though. I mean, it's a good way to do that. If you get lost, I mean, you know the blues scale is going to work. Probably I don't know. I don't know if I want to say a number that high. I was going to say 90% of the time. I don't know if it's really quite that high, but the blues scale works in a lot of different situations. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not in a style that it clashes way too much, then you're good. Like, I think um, you definitely want to be careful when you use it because it's very easy to identify. And a lot of the time, at least back in the day when we were in uh, playing together in college, and we were much more critical and grumpy of people we played with. Yeah. Um, we would hear people that that would be all they'd play, just the blues scale. And um, it didn't matter what style it was. It didn't matter um, what chords they were playing over. They would just use the blues scale. Um, so it was not only their fallback plan, it was their only plan. And um, yeah, and of course, a there's a really plan. big there's a really big issue with that. And that's, that's not good. And um, we had every right not to be interested in like hiring them for anything. But um, I think these days it would, I would want to approach it as a, a working together with someone new opportunity. And uh, at least now as a teacher, like I use the blue scale sparingly with the students and I try to very clearly explain it to them that the, it's uh, it's a stepping stool. It's their first step into be, be, um, being able to play bigger scales. and, um, and it's, it's a great starting point. It really yeah, 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 is. It, if, if you're trying to it get really into improv. It really helps you get improv. Yeah, it's, it's a great starting point. I remember I used to, I found a backing track on YouTube for an F Blues, and I would sit there for hours. I mean, I literally mean hours. I spent way too much time doing this. And I would just impro- improv over it um, on an F Blues scale. And mm-hmm. just mess around with it. Just try to see what types of sounds I could get from it. And for a lot of time, I don't know if you really remember this, Matt, but I used the blues scale a lot in my playing those first couple of years around Jericho. Probably the first mm-hmm. year, year and a half, that was every time I took a solo, I would throw the blues scale in there because that was all I really knew. But mm-hmm. it still sounded okay. It just didn't sound as mature as some of the other right. scales. Right. Yeah. And yeah, but if when you're getting out, Man, learn the blues scale. Take those notes and um, learn them inside and out. Figure out where they're going to fit, where they're not going to fit. Because 
it's it's a great fall black fallback plan. It's a great plan to start out with. I mean, you can't really go wrong with it. It mm-hmm. you'll never really play a blues scale and someone would be like, "Ah, oh, man, that was terrible." As far as note choice, now as far as stylistic choice, it might not be the best thing for every situation, but your notes aren't going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah, that's it, pretty important. <laughs> You never want to go out and act like um, that's your that that's not only your one trick, but it's it's going to be the pinnacle of your playing. Like the blue scale is all you'll ever need. Now that that's certainly not true at all, but it's a really wonderful way to sound good as you get started on um, your journey of learning improv. And even later on, like there are all kinds of situations, like I was saying, that um, that you're allowed to use the blue scale. And eventually you'll reach the point where it's a like it's an expressive tool that you throw in those notes. Um, Sometimes it's referential. Sometimes you just know that you're in an audience that'll hear it instantly. So you want to do it in there just to make a couple people laugh or something. Right. Um, Put a smile on people's faces like you'll know the right times for it because it's. Uh, blues as a style and a sound it's something that you experience with other people it's a very communal and social atmosphere it is and um that so the thing that makes it so special is it's it really has everything to do with your heart and your attitude and the soul that you're putting into it so when you get when i play with people that they're just playing the blue scale because it's what they think sounds good but they're not really you know, they're not expressing them, themselves. They're not actually enjoying playing the blue scale. It's just what they think is the right thing to do. That makes a huge difference in me wanting to play with them because those those notes, therefore, pouring your heart out. You don't right. take them lightly. Like it, it, it's uh, it's the difference between bringing in the uh, the top of, of the counter steak sauce and the store brand stuff that is chemicaled up <laughs> to bring it all There's back around difference between a light sprinkle and drinking it from the fountain oh <laughs> steak sauce fountain oh i don't know steak sauce is good but it it's strong i don't know that's about as murica as you can get yeah that or cheeseburgers a cheeseburger, yeah, a cheeseburger. fountain it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know Sorry. when when whenever we get the the listeners trying to buy something shouldn't it be something that's ours we're making them want to go to uh to texas roadhouse or something that's we don't true, own that <laughs> i do want to get some t-shirts and some coffee mugs i think that'd be really cool um but we want to try to i feel like we need to get a few more listeners first before we do that so well, please now share we with your friends because we really, uh, I really want a coffee mug. I, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> now we're announcing just the basic steak farm where you can order the finest Angus. <laughs> Pre-packaged oh. with steak sauce. Oh, man. That reminds me of a story that I can't tell on the podcast. I'll have to tell it later. <laughs> <laughs> now they're dying inside because they don't know. That's okay. You don't. You don't want to know this. Uh-oh. It's gonna make me look like a jerk. <laughs> uh oh. Well, look. I already got yeah, in trouble from last like podcast with my wife. Let's not get in trouble again. 
Yeah, well, this will just make me look like an idiot. It has to do with me not being able to read properly. I saw a sign and read it as something else, and it was really uh, inappropriate. <laughs> Uh-oh. I was really confused. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, um, and the, the cool thing, like, back to the blues scale, so some of the stuff that you can do with it is sometimes you'll notice when you're listening to a song that you can reharmonize that song because of the blue notes in there and make it more jazzy feeling. Mm-hmm. We used to do that with our band a lot, Matt, um, when we had our band closed at four, which, by the way, I accidentally posted something in the Facebook page on that the other day. Um, I tried to share one of the Just the Basics posts with my personal account, and I shared it with Closed at Four. And so my sister texted me, and she goes, is Closed at Four still a thing? Like, she thought that we were getting back together or something, and I was like, no, I, I wish. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that, that'd be nice. But, yeah. Oh, well. But anyways, so... We used to take songs and we'd reharmonize them to make them more jazzy sounding to fit the types of music we like to play a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But we took um, a, it was One Republic, right? The one. Um, Love Runs Elliot, Out. Yeah, Love Runs Out. We, we took that song and we realized, we were listening to it. We're like, that sounds kind of, kind of bluesy. But we listened to it again and we, we countered along with it and we're like, this fits a 12-bar phrase. So we just took it, and we just played the blues underneath of it. And, um, and we swung it really hard, and man, that, that gave a completely different feel to that song. That was cool. Yeah, very much so. We should have tried to record it. We probably, that, that was one of the things that I think if we would have gotten rights to be able to do it, that we could have recorded that. I think it would have been good enough. Yeah, yeah. It was, we put a little more work on it, then it could have been something great. But... Um, the 12 bar blues is definitely a good spot for um, starting to work on your arranging and your composing because mm-hmm. you can take very simple melodies to uh, write over it um, and you can overlay it underneath of songs to just try to find stuff that works. Now, obviously, you need something that fits the timing and um, you can't exactly use a 12 bar under everything, but you could use the blues style under something. Um, right. So. You just yeah. have to experiment, but it's a it's an easy spot to start for uh, arranging sake because there's not going to be much uh, harmonically that you have to deal with because you just have those few chords, and um, you might be able to mm-hmm. do a little bit of extra work in there. But at least if you just start out with the one, four, and the five, then hey, that's a pretty good uh, outline for you to start learning how to work through the harmonies and. Um, use your blue scale yeah. over something that you've created. That's true. I mean, even artists like, um, like even like Elvis used the blues all the time. Oh yeah, sure. He like half his music is that rock blues, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's such a, it's a, a very simple concept, but it can be so good when you master it. Um, a really good modern blues player, um, is John Mayer. I mean, he's not always my favorite guitarist, but, there's no denying that the dude can play and that he knows his stuff. Right. And, uh, like he does a very good job of using those, that blues elements to his playing, but still making it his own. It's, um, it's just a thing that it's 
you everybody should know how to do it. You should if you want to be a pro musician, or even if you just want to have fun with it, you know, learn it because it's fun. It's it's not hard, and it gives you a nice palette to choose from. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's very easy to learn, and um, that gives you a wonderful starting point for being able to get into jazz or get deeper into blues if you want to and uh it's not you won't need to know every single thing about theory to be able to handle it it's not like you're hopping into have you met miss jones where there's a lot of key changes and you have to understand the harmonic development through it um instead you just have three different dominant keys and well that's basically it and even then you can still just hang out in the key of the one it's just you can start with, uh, if you're in a C blues, you just play in C in the, that blues scale. And then you can add in that when you get to that F7, you can add an F blues over that. Mm-hmm. And over the G, you can add a G blues over that. But when you start out, you can play a C blues over the whole thing. Yeah, it'll You just work pay attention to the tone of what makes sense to your ear. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, eventually you're going to want to do more with it just because it'll get boring after a while. Eventually. Um, I, I would think. It did for me. It did for Matt. Uh, guys like B.B. King, it never got boring for them. But right, right. It's, um, it's just a really nice tool to have. and it, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it kind of, for me, it kind of unlocked my playing a lot when I, when I started doing that. Because when I first started playing in the jazz band and stuff, I was terrified to take a solo. Like, mm. I did not want to. I mean, I wanted to, but I was afraid of what was going to come out. Because I was like, right, I don't right, know right. what to do. Because I was originally... There are different ways of looking at improvisation, and this is a little bit more in-depth than what we're talking about right now. But I was looking at it, and you know, we'd see an A7 chord. I'm like, okay, i got to play this. A7 mode over top of this is mixolydian mode, and then it's going to uh, B minor seven. So then I got to play is it the Dorian mode over this, or is it the natural minor that I'm playing? Well, uh, you know, it's, I'm in the key of D, so it's got to be the natural minor. And I, I overthought it so much, and I was trying so hard. And I just, it became, it was scary to me because I was too afraid of playing the wrong note. But then right. when I started playing the blues scale, and I realized, the blue scale is intentionally wrong note. It made me feel so much better about myself. <laughs> you know, because like most things, like if you have an A7 chord, you know, you play your A mixolydian mode. Pretty much every chord out there has a mode or a scale that you would assign to it. Well, yeah. the blue scale, there's no chord that you assign to the blue scale that has all of those notes in there. There's just not. Mm-hmm. Maybe an altered altered chord or something like that. but. Really, sure. if you're playing an altered chord, you basically just throw crap at the wall and whatever sticks is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, an altered chord is exactly that. It's altered. Yeah, you can do pretty much anything you want with it. I typically just stick with whatever key we're playing in. But that's besides right. my point. Um, you know, once I realize, you know, and there's no specific chord for that. So it's it's really, it's a tool that lets you do different stuff that you wouldn't have thought of normally because there's not the restrictions on that like there is on other scale. Like, really, I mean, you don't want to play a Dorian scale over a natural minor chord. It's going to sound weird, you know. But you could play a blues scale over that natural minor chord and it's going to sound fine because it's got 
that inflection to it is just really nice, you know. So it's, I highly recommend everybody learns it, and I hope we did a decent job of explaining it. Uh, I feel like we did. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really simple. Like we said, the notes, it's, you know, you have your one, then if you're just going to pick out just the blues part of it and not do the full major scale, you play your one, then you play the minor third, the fourth, the sharp fourth, the fifth, the flat seventh, and the one, and you've got your scale. And people talk about major or minor blues. I don't really buy into that all that much. I mean, there yes, there is a major blues versus a minor blues, and the scale that we're talking about right now is the minor blues, but that's what everybody uses. Your major blues is the same exact thing, except it starts on the on the minor third. So, like, an E-flat major blues is your C minor blues. So it's really, it doesn't really matter all that much, in my opinion. Especially because yeah, really. I'm using the blues as an inflective device anyways. I'm not playing the entire song over just that blues scale. So I'm going to mm-hmm. play, if it's a C blues, I'm still going to play an E natural in there if it's in the, I'm playing the key of C because E natural is in the key of C. So the E natural and the E flat because you have E flat in your blues scale. I mean, really, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter all that much. Mm-hmm. So, because I, yeah, it's either way you have passing tones and chromatic notes in there. So it's, I, me personally, I don't think it's a big deal between the two but yeah and so so you've got those simple notes it's nothing major and you can throw them over pretty much anywhere um any place that you would use a pentatonic scale you can use a blues scale instead uh you know it's like but you just got to experiment with it and see what works for you because what i like to play you might not like you know Uh, everybody's a little bit different with what they like the sound of so don't feel like you have to play it exactly like that. Just be, and don't feel like you have to play the blues scale all the time just because Matt and Tommy said that you could. It, you know, it doesn't make any sense to do that. But um, please don't. Definitely <laughs> learn it because it will be like for me. It unlocked a whole new world of my playing. It made me a lot more comfortable with the instrument. So I definitely think it's worth the time to figure it out. Um. Yeah. So, definitely. I guess that wraps up the blue scale. What is your uh, listening recommendation for the week? Um, I think the thing that I would like to recommend is uh, a blues song that is not a 12 bar form. Okay. Um, so I would like you listeners, if you're interested in the blues, to go listen to Miles Davis's All Blues. Oh, okay. Good that's in, it's a song that's in three. What? What? <laughs> what i thought you were gonna say the same thing that i was gonna say and i was like man i really (laughs) hope you didn't mess this one up well um it's a it's a very good song and it's extremely fun to play it's uh not difficult to learn at all um all of the parts for it are very catchy for something that's a modal blues kind of a thing but um it doesn't use the 12 bar format so if you practice playing over that, then it gives you something different to utilize your blue scales in. And um, it pushes the envelope on harmony as far as blues go. So yeah. you can learn a little a nice bit extra. Tune. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very good. Very relaxing. It has all the soul of a blues song with a t- 
totally new take and a different feel. Yeah. It's and you know, I've never really used the blue scale much on that tune, but it's Not a really, perfect no. one for it. Just for the inflection of it. You don't want to use it for that whole tune, but just to get some nice inflection over it. That's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I love that tune. That's one of my favorite ones. I love that bass line. Boom. It's so much fun. Oh, man, it just grooves. There's an arrangement of that, soon, of that tune that Ray Brown does mm-hmm. where instead of playing that bass line down the octave like everybody else does where they play the low G, he plays the open G string. And so he plays up the octave from what everybody else does. And man, it's all he did was change the octave, but it sounds like a different song. It's amazing. That's cool. It, I think yeah. I remember that, but it's just not in my head. Well, I did it a couple times at some of our gigs. And that uh, might be why I remember it. <laughs> yeah, because I heard that and I'm like, man, this is the coolest thing. Uh, so I did it a couple times on some of our gigs, but for our. Thing that we were doing it didn't fit as much because he was he didn't have a guitar in his band so when i'm playing up the octave i'm playing in your range so that's true it kind of clashed a little bit more than in his band so he had a piano and so the piano player they could play either lower than him or higher than them you can't play lower than me playing up the octave it's not possible yeah that's so, not gonna sound good yeah and those chords sometimes sound a little weird when you go up too high um then my recommendation for the week, what to listen to, is a little bit more complex of a tune. Um, I want you to listen to it to show you kind of how the blue scale can be used in a more subtle way and in a way that is more... Um, ah, gosh. It's... It's a more advanced method of using this because the blues scale is not just a beginner thing. You pro players use it all the time. So this is um, the recommendation is Goodbye Pork Pie Hat uh, by Mingus. Ah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. If you listen to that melody, the upper structure of that melody, he's using blue notes in the melody compared to the chord. So he's not playing the blues scale straight through, but he's using those blue notes to clash with the chord and it it's really pretty um kind of crunchy but super interesting and like i said it's just a better it's an it's a great example of more complex use of the blue scale and who knows he might not have been thinking about it as the blue scale with mingus he could have been thinking about anything or nothing yeah really but it turned out it was the blue scale creating upward extensions on the chord it was really nice though. Yeah. I think. And I'll throw one more out there, just a more traditional blues. Um uh Freddie Freeloader. Off yes. the uh, I, that's on the same album, I believe, as uh, all blues. They're both on kind of blue, aren't they? Yeah, they're all on that album. Um Freddie Freeloader is such a it's a fun tune. I like that song. Um I can play that a very long time. It oh, yeah. It, it just feels awesome. The, the tempo for it is perfect for that style of music. and So that's, mm-hmm. that's just a straight-up blues. I mean, there's nothing weird going on with that. It's just a blues scale or blues progression. Um, so listen to those, those solos on there because that record has uh, Miles Davis, 
It has Cannonball, Adderley, and it has John Coltrane. So you're getting some... And then you've got... Um, I believe it was... Uh, the, I cannot believe I'm forgetting this. The, the bass player on that. Uh, um, oh, gosh. Paul Chambers, I think Paul is Chambers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did I forget that? Wow. Man, I'm going to like be in bass player purgatory for that one. Oh, um, uh, well, I mean, I, I'm really bad at remembering the names on those albums, so I don't blame you. Yeah, that's... And then Bill Evans is playing um, playing mm-hmm. piano on that record. So that is just such a good record to listen to. Some great improvisers, and they use the blues scale on there, but they don't use it exclusively. So it's a good, good one to yeah, check really. out, especially for a more straight-ahead blues. So... All right. Well, I think we did pretty good this week. Um, so, again, please share it with everybody. You know, we want to. We want to get mugs and t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> no, for but you guys. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I want them for myself too. But <laughs> we're not selfish. <laughs> not not at all. Not not at all. Musicians are never it's for the listeners. It's for them. <laughs> Totally, so we can't go uh, around and just be like, have you heard of my podcast? Whip out the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we could get one of those t-shirt cannons and just go to like a... Uh, oh my gosh. Throwing them at the marching band out of a football game. I won't even there. care if we're uh, if we come off as desperate. I want to shoot t-shirts at people. That would be wonderful. That would be so much fun. Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> so, please share our podcast so we can shoot t-shirts at people. <laughs> Life goals. I don't know how those are related, but let's just pretend they are. <laughs> they are now. I've, I've um, decided. Yeah. The more you like and share us, the more likely it is we'll shoot a t-shirt at you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so please like it. Please give us a review on iTunes or uh, Stitcher or TuneIn, whatever it is that, wherever it is that you listen to us. Um, subscribe so that you can get our new podcast every week. Every week. We publish them. It, they go live around midnight Monday night, so that way by Monday morning they're good for people to be able to listen to on their commute and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and subscribe so you can get notified when those are ready. Um, we do have some new ideas that we are planning for you guys, so stay tuned for those because I think they'll be really cool. Um, some video content and that sort of thing. So, um, mm-hmm. if you have any questions or anything, shoot us an email or. Uh, Contact us on Twitter or Instagram. My feeds are at T Bowls Music for both. And my email is Tommy at TommyBowls.com. Or you can just go to TommyBowls.com and connect with us through there. Uh, Matt, I can never remember what your handle is on, on Instagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, check us out and uh, we will see you guys next week. See you later, guys. <laughs>